So I'm uh, just thinking about as I was coming here, um, the the time that uh, four or five years ago I was up at a Native Men's Retreat um, just south of the 49th parallel in Washington State, and that's the land of the Nooksack people. And uh, we were to be welcomed by a Nooksack elder, and uh, we were waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally arrived. And, uh, and he explained why he was late. He said, you know, uh, we were having a language discussion among the elders. I will never forget. He said, what we decided is that we weren't going to give a word to plastic. Because we thought plastic is the only thing on earth that doesn't have spirit. Interesting. And I thought about that. And, and then I remember things like, we have a whole continent now of plastic in the Pacific. And those microparticles of plastic are, are getting in our fish, and they're getting in our animals, and they're getting in our own bodies. And especially if we drink water out of things like this. Um, and... Uh, um, if we do that, it increases the amount of microplastics we take in every year. And, and men take about twice as much as women, they say. Um, and I wonder if the Western civilized project is not to make us all without spirit. I'm going to ask you a question. Ignore the plastic. Is the water alive? Mm -hmm. Is the rock alive? Some of you aren't so sure. Let's think about that. By the way, uh, this is G's magazine, G-E-E-C. Is anyone here get that? One. All right. So the latest issue is on climate justice, and uh, uh, it's a, uh, a great little magazine. I recommend you subscribe. Um, I have an article in it, uh, and uh, I wrote an article about water. And I wanted to read a little bit from it, if I could, you an adult, because I wanted to get this part right. <clears throat> so the first thing that uh, I started thinking about is that, the, you know, we think about the Earth. And actually, three-quarters of the Earth, 71%, basically, is water. And so we really live on more water than we do land. And so I, that brought to mind a Hawaiian friend of mine. Um, and I asked him, I said, because their word for uh, land is aina. And I said, what's your word for water? And he said, well, we have words for water, but we also, when we say Earth, we also mean water. And I thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. They know water. So let me, let me mention this. Modern scientific methods often confirm the simplest truth that our indigenous teachers have always known. It's really quite simple. Science verifies what scientists observe. In more than one sense, these are, these are things in our, our indigenous elders have always known. Western scientists use tools that tell them ideological cycles uh, have changed. And our elders know the huckleberries were happening in a month or Both observe verifiable knowledge, but one is abstract, while the other is very personal. 
Several elders have commented to me that our medicine plants are not nearly as potent as they used to be. They say the earth is weakening. Modern science tells us the same by explaining that as more carbon is released into the atmosphere, plants are less able to develop the nutrients needed. The plants become nutrient deficient or weaker. What modern science tells Western society about creation, our indigenous scientists, if you will, have been observing for millennia. So I'm not against the pursuit of Western science. Uh, I just think that uh, it shouldn't be done without the supervision of our indigenous elders. And it's because they have more experience on the subject. They've accumulated uh, knowledge longer. And they've not been cradled in the bosom of enlightenment-bound dualism. American mythology and the deniability of indigenous people having anything to offer the world beyond folklore. I think we can all agree on a few things, though. One, and I won't remember all these, but our aquifers are being overpumped well beyond the recharge rates. Rising temperatures are boosting evaporation rates. Rainfall patterns are now severely altered. Inadequate snow melts are not properly feeding the rivers and streams in the dry seasons. Water tables are falling and whole lakes are disappearing. Glaciers are melting at alarming rates. The tundra is melting. While most of us drink about four liters of various forms of water daily, it takes 2,000 liters to produce our daily food. Water shortages translate to food shortages. Global water consumption doubles about every 20 years. The UN expects demand to outstrip supply by 30% in 2040. And then there's always this. Global corporate opportunists who see the absolute devastation coming are attempting to buy up the world's water supply for profit. Without restoring the Earth's water to homeostasis, and only hoping for more normalized hydrological patterns, we are, to turn a phrase, sunk. I'd like to posit that uh, those of the Western world view generally have enough cultural hubris to think they can solve the problem eventually, two, choose greed over life, three, do not take it as a personal concern, in other words, there exists no deep sense of a sacred connection to or relationship with water or living. And for the idea that non-human life is either not as important or is even dead. How many know Wendell Berry? Wendell Berry? Anybody? He's a great writer. Okay. He said, whether we or our politicians know it or not, Nature is party to all our deals and decisions, and she has more votes, a longer memory, and a sterner sense of justice than we do. So, the rock and the water, uh, alive or dead, right? That's our sort of a pioneer. Um, I think science might call it, an, uh, especially if you get into quantum physics, an uncategorized life force. There's things going on, of course, in the physical. There's the minerals that are moving. There's the gravity if it's sitting still. There are things happening in that rock, uh, if we look at it deep enough. 
But then there's also this idea of spirit. Does it have a life force that's uncategorized? And how did Jesus understand the earth? I, this, this passage that Beth read is, I, I don't really care about swearing. Um, that's not what it's about for me. Um, what it's about for me is to understand how Jesus thought about the world. He thought about the heavens and the earth and all as being safe. He gave examples through his teachings of seeds and plants and fish and water and uh, you know, birds and you know, um, trees, fruit. He constantly was in touch with the earth. Sometimes he didn't even have a place to rest his head, so he was outside of it. I wonder what he, how he thought about these uh, uncategorized life force, how, how he thought about the dimensions of life and death. So one of the great horrors of our time are horror movies, right? And they are particularly scary when nature goes wrong, right? So think about, um, you know, I was trying to think of some of the top movies. Of course, the one that scared the, the stuff out of me was uh, back in, uh, I think it was like uh, 72 or something, in Jaws, right? I walked out of the theater in Jaws and was walking on the sidewalk and looking around the corner to see if the shark was going to attack me. <laughs> in 1962, there was another movie that just scared the cheese out of me. And uh, I was a little kid when I watched it. And uh, I don't know if any of you remember, it was an Alfred Hitchcock thriller called The Birds. Oh my gosh, I got afraid of birds for a long time after that. And then there was in 1968, now most of you won't know this, who watched uh, Walking Dead. How many watched Walking Dead? Did you get that up here? Right. Yeah, so in 1968 there was a movie that, that featured zombies called Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, so people are supposed to die and stay dead, right? If their bodies, they're not supposed to come back from you know. So, yeah, other movies like The Fog. <clears throat> In 1999, I started observing what was going on in the natural world. And I, I just made it a point to, to constantly be looking at weather channels and looking all over. And I, what I noticed after a few years is what everyone knows now because there are books about it and everything else. But I started noticing that forest fires became more frequent, that floods were becoming more frequent, that tornadoes were becoming more frequent, that uh, uh, hurricanes, and, and, and not only that, but more severe. And it, it, it didn't go, the graph wasn't just like this, you know, it would go like this and then down and then back, but it is, it's all going this way, right? More severe and more frequent. And I wondered about that. So I started digging into physics a little bit, trying to understand what was happening in the natural world from a different point of view. And I challenged myself. And here's some of the things I came up with. You may disagree with me, and this is theory, and I may be wrong. But I just want to present it because I'm trying to take both a Western worldview and an indigenous worldview and present what I think is happening. So energy is always being converted. But the rates of possible inversion can never be correct because they are unestimating by not calculating uncategorized life force. So there's that extra thing, right? 
So that's what causes random stuff. That's second law of thermodynamics. So there's this random activity because there is uncategorized life force. Energy conversion, entropy, and inversion are always occurring in crossing platforms. So all this has happened once. It's normal. It's the way it's been since the beginning, I guess. This creates an unstable environment, especially if one underestimates the life force. The Western worldview ignores this because it has no lens in which to view it. Material is either dead or less alive than humans. So the energy flow goes like this. Some of you students, what are the top energy producers in the world? Hmm? What? Trees? No? Anybody? I know it's around the tip of your tongues. Phytoplankton. Yeah, see, you knew. Yeah, phytoplankton that, in the oceans. That's, they, phytoplankton produce more energy than anything else in the world. And then who consumes the most energy? Well, it's been plankton. Eating the phytoplankton. And then who consumes the plankton? Whales and fish, etc. So, and that's been the natural energy cycle. Those are what we would call secondary consumers. After the, the plankton uh, are the fishes. And everything else, humans, animals, etc., insects, are tertiary consumers. You know, if you want to understand tertiary consumers, uh, just think about a goat as it goes along and picks a little here and picks a little there. And, uh, yeah. So, so we just take a little here and there, basically. And that's been the food chain. That's the web. But now things have, I believe, over just the last 50 years or so, changed. I think human beings have become the primary consumers um, and are taking more of the Earth's energy than anything else. And, and if you don't believe this, at least think of it as a metaphor. It might help you as a metaphor. Right? And so what I understand, because Mother Earth is the only real producer of energy, and, it, and Mother Earth keeps things in balance, that humans becoming the primary uh, consumer beyond the Earth's natural cycles and recharge rates are creating an imbalance or disharmony. To restore harmony, the earth herself is forced to consume the primary consumer. That sounds like a horrible thing. Moving her, at least temporarily, to the top of the food chain. Interesting verse in Job 38.33, it says, Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Apparently, we don't. So energy flows in, in the law of thermodynamics goes like this. The first law, conservation of energy says energy can neither be created nor destroyed, but can be converted from one form to another. The second law of thermodynamics, entropy, says in any energy conversion, less usable energy will be available after each conversion due to heat loss. Matter tends to become less organized and more random. If one underestimates the life force or the damage done to uncategorized life force, the calculations could become extremely unstable, and I think that's where we're at today. 
Interesting verse, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. For he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Paul in Colossians is not speaking as a modern scientist, but from an ontological prophetic truth reality. In his reality, Christ creates the energy of earth and heavens, and Christ holds it together. Christ is in all things. All things have life, and all things will be redeemed or renewed. Christ is superseding and perhaps controlling, we could argue about that, both laws of thermodynamics. So the whole creation has been producing enough energy to allow limited consumption and production, to allow random outputs. Humanity in just a few generations has accelerated use exponentially. Mother Earth is now trying to rebalance the overuse through extreme random acts of nature. She is reclaiming territory. She is recolonizing the earth. Spitting out the inhabitants, like it mentions in Deuteronomy and uh, uh, Leviticus, um, because of the pollutions, as we might say. Balancing natural laws in order to restore harmony. The top of the food chain is the Earth herself. Mother Earth is performing like a keystone species to save the community of creation from extinction. And all the time, topsoil is disappearing, forests are shrinking, desertification is advancing, coral reefs are dying, plants, fish, insects, birds, and animal species are all going extinct. In fact, by 2050, about half of our large mammals will be gone if we don't do something about it. Chief Seattle said this, Every part of the soil is sacred in the estimation of my people. Every hillside, every valley, every plain and grove has been hallowed by some sad or happy event in days long vintage. Even the rocks, which seem to be dumb, and dead as the swelter in the hot sun along the silent shore, even the rocks thrill with memories of stirring events connected with the lives of my people. Amen.